humiliation is the idea to reduce someone to a lower position. Jesus being God, being almighty creator, was humiliated at the cross. He was brought or viewed as lower than what he is. But honestly, his humiliation began long before that. Jesus' humiliation began when he took on flesh. We like to think of God's willingness to become man among us. We like to think of his incarnation, and it is indeed a wondrous thing, but if we ponder it, we'll find that it was a humiliating thing. To be infinite, almighty God reduced to a mere man. That's a humiliation we can't fathom. But we're not focusing on that tonight. We're focusing on a different type of humiliation. We're focusing on his suffering and his death. Quite honestly, the ways that Jesus suffered and died would be humiliating to anyone. But for our Lord to suffer in these ways is beyond comprehension. And yet tonight, let's take a few moments and see what we can comprehend of Jesus' humiliation. I'd like to do this this evening. I'd like to ask two questions. Number one, how was Jesus humiliated? And number two, how does Jesus' humiliation relate to us? How was he humiliated? And how does that humiliation relate to us? So the first thing I want to say about Jesus' humiliation is this. Jesus was wrongfully accused and condemned. Jesus was humiliated by being wrongfully accused and condemned. And it's important to know that Jesus suffered as we all suffer in the natural pains of life. He was human as well as God. And his human side suffered. He got tired. He got hungry. He experienced loss and grief, and pain like all of us do. But when we come to the cross, his suffering takes on a different meaning. And the first way Jesus suffered was actually at his trial. He was wrongfully condemned. In Matthew 27, 22, and 23, Pilate addresses the crowd that had gathered to demand Jesus' death. Pilate says to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. Jesus was wrongfully accused and condemned. You know, earlier in this narrative, earlier in Matthew, Jesus has actually tried before Caiaphas, the high priest, and the scribes and the elders. And in that narrative, they accused Jesus of blasphemy which led him to be tried before Pilate and then sentenced to crucifixion. Jesus was wrongfully accused and condemned, however. He committed no crime. In fact, he never committed any sin. He was perfectly innocent. He was accused of blasphemy because he claimed deity. He claimed to be God. He claimed to be the long-awaited Messiah. But it wasn't blasphemy. It was true. 
and his life and his teaching and his miracles all backed up that truth. But because of the unbelief of the religious leaders of the day, they rejected his claim and instead declared that he should die. He was wrongfully accused, and being wrongfully accused is humiliating. It brings us lower in position. We sense the injustice of it. It stirs up anger and indignation because we've been wronged. Just share with you real quick, a man named David Thibodeau was arrested in 1997 for murder. He spent 15 years on death row awaiting his execution. In 2012, DNA evidence proved that he was, in fact, innocent. And he was released, of course, but the 15 years of being marked as a murderer had taken its toll on him. He faced nightmares. He faced feelings of despair. He faced the fear of execution even after he'd been released from prison. Now, I know that's an extreme case, but psychological effects of being wrongfully accused are devastating. No doubt you can think back on your life and you can remember a time when somebody wrongfully accused you of something and you may still feel anger and resentment when you think back to that. Jesus was wrongfully accused and condemned and that was one way he was humiliated. The second way that Jesus was humiliated is that he was mocked and scourged. Matthew 27, 24, and 26 read like this, So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Before Jesus even comes to Pilate, he was mocked. He was mocked by the Jewish council who spit upon him and slapped him. He was mocked by the Romans who put a crown of thorns on him and it beat him over the head with a reed. Then he's taken to Pilate. Pilate delivers him over to be scourged. Matthew here barely mentions it, but it happened. Now, in the first century, scourging or flogging was tying a person to a post. It was taking a whip of multiple thongs that was embedded with bits of bone and metal and beating the condemned person with it. In and of itself, it was a horrible punishment, and there were times that punishment killed the condemned person. Mocking beating, torture. It all causes not only physical suffering, but mental and emotional suffering that can often last a person's lifetime. Much of the trauma faced by Holocaust victims affect them to their dying days. Such treatment is an attack on a person's dignity. Treating them in such a way is as treating them as an animal. It goes along with our definition of humility to reduce someone to a lower position. Mocking people, beating them, torturing is just that. It's reducing them to a lower position. It's saying you're not worth treating as a person. 
God's word tells us that man was created in the image of God. And that means we have personhood, which means we can reason. We have will. We have emotions. We are created with equal dignity and worth. And that demands that people be treated with love and respect. To do any less is to humiliate. It's to say to that person, you're not created in the image of God. Jesus suffered through wrongful accusation and condemnation. He also suffered by being mocked and scourged. And finally, Jesus suffered. He was humiliated by being shamefully crucified. Matthew 27, 33 and 36 read, And when they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when, they had, and, then, and when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. Crucifixion, you probably know, is devastating to the human body. 12 to 14 inch nails are driven into the person's hand. Even then, sometimes ropes are used to hold up the body. The feet would have been placed upon a small lip at the bottom of the cross and nailed together. There the person would hang in agony. Asphyxiation was often the ultimate cause of death for crucified victims because being suspended up with your arms stretched out, you can't take a breath. You have to push up on your nailed feet to get a breath. Now, in Jesus' case, he probably died from a combination of asphyxia, blood loss, and massive trauma, not to mention that the Bible tells us he gave up his spirit. Along with the humiliation that we've already discussed, crucifixion was the most humiliating means of death in the first century. It was so humiliating that if any of your relatives had been crucified, you wouldn't even speak of it. Now, crucifixion, interestingly enough, we don't know a whole lot about it. Ancient writers would often mention it, but they would not dwell on it because of the shame related to it. We do have one source that does tell us that crucifixion was meant for slaves and criminals. Jesus was humiliated by shameful crucifixion. That's the humiliation of Jesus. Now, what is the relationship between Jesus' humiliation and us? How does the humiliation of Jesus relate to us today? Simply this. Everything Jesus experienced was not deserved by him, but was deserved by us. We deserved the humiliation he received. We deserved the accusation and condemnation because they are true of us. We stand guilty of sin. Romans 3.23 reads, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2 actually tells us it's worse than that. We were born in sin. We are born sinners. We are born separated from God. And then we commit sins, which further condemns us as guilty. But he took our condemnation. He took the verdict that was meant for us. And because Jesus was declared guilty, even though he was innocent, we can receive pardon. Because Jesus was condemned, we can be set free. 
Jesus was also mocked and scourged, and that too was a punishment that we deserved. We spurned the glory of God. When Adam and Eve sinned, it was turning their backs on all the goodness that God had bestowed on them. It was a rejection of God's love and his provision. In effect, it was saying this, I want life my way. And that was a violation against the character of God, and it deserved punishment. When a child defiantly disobeys a parent, that's a violation against the parent who has been placed in that child's life as his loving guardian. It's a punishment, or rather, it's an act that deserves a punishment. Jesus took the mocking and the scourging that was meant for us. He took the punishment that we should have received. He received unfair words and unfair blows that were justly ours. Jesus also took a death that should have been ours. I already shared how unbearably painful and shameful crucifixion was. That's the death he chose. That's the humiliation that he did on our behalf. Now you might be tempted to say, do I really deserve all this? Do I really deserve the condemnation? Do I really deserve the punishment? Do I really deserve death? Do we really deserve to die because of sin? We rebelled against God. Not a human institution, but God Almighty. Our sin is an offense to him. We offended God Almighty. Think of a cosmic scale where we weigh in guilty. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. God said to Adam concerning the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. In short, yes, we deserve death because our sin was an offense to Almighty God. What happens if you offend a king? You die. We offended God. Death was the penalty, but Christ faced it. Now, you might also be tempted to say, did he really have to die such a horrific death? Did he really have to face such humiliation? Couldn't he have died some other way that was not so horrific, that was not so humiliating? Hebrews 2.10 reads like this. It says, for it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. It was fitting. It was suitable. It was appropriate for Christ to suffer as he did. Somehow in the infinite mind of God, this is how it had to be. Why did he do it? Why did he face this? Think about it. If we were in his place, we would have been tempted to defend ourselves. How tempting would it be to strike back at those who struck us or to flee or to plead with our accusers or the executioners? Our natural response would be to defend ourselves, especially if we knew we were innocent. 
But Jesus didn't do that. He faced it. Why did he face the humiliation? One word. Love. Jesus faced the humiliation because his love for his father was the motivator behind that. Jesus faced the humiliation because his love for us was a motivator behind it. He faced the humiliation because ultimately he is a God of love. And that's why he did it. Now, how should this change our lives? It should first and foremost change our lives by giving us an opportunity to respond to his work. Right now, you have an opportunity to respond to Jesus' humiliation by accepting it as a work that he did for you. I've already said that the Bible explains that we're sinners and the payment for that sin is death. It's death in this life, but it's forever death, forever death in hell. But if you turn from your sin and you embrace the work Jesus did on the cross as payment for your sin, you will be saved. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Tonight could be your night. If you have never put your faith in Christ, tonight could be your night to do that. And I invite you to come and talk to me after the service if you want to know more. But how should this change the lives of us, of us who have already believed in Jesus? How should his humiliation motivate us? It should motivate us to live in worship and obedience to him. Imagine, if you will, that someone actually saves your life. Imagine that. Someone saved your life. How would you feel toward that person? Grateful indebted would you think of them every day would you express your appreciation for them as often as you could would you tell others about what they did for you probably what is that arguably i would say it's a form of worship not the same kind of worship we give jesus but a form of worship it's drawing attention to this person and what they did now think of that on a level that we cannot imagine. Think of the deliverance that Christ has worked in your life. Think of what his humiliation did for you. He spared you, not just from death, but from eternity without him. He spared you from the torment of hell, where the pain never stops where the anguish is never quenched and where the humiliation is never covered. That should transform our lives to worship him daily. But his humiliation should also transform our lives to obey him, to lay down our own sinful desires, to reject temptation, to be in his word, to express love toward others, to commit to his church to serve with joy, to love our spouses, to faithfully rear our children, and to share the truth with those around us. 
his humiliation should be a motivation to live differently, differently than the world. And that can incur its own version of humiliation. It can be humiliating to take a stand for Jesus because it may bring its own kind of mockery to you. We might be shunned or ridiculed or even disowned because we take a stand for Jesus Christ. We could be on the receiving end of verbal or even physical abuse because of our commitment to Jesus Christ. But should that stop us? Shouldn't the humiliation of Jesus only encourage us to live for him no matter what? Christ was humiliated on our behalf. Let us also be ready to face humiliation as an outwork of worship and obedience to him. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, our debt to you is unpayable. You took what was rightfully ours. You took the pain, the death, the humiliation. You allowed yourself to be accused, condemned, mocked, scourged, shamed, crucified. You did all this because you love the Father and because you love us. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your incomprehensible love. And teach us to follow you. Draw us to yourself. Give us the strength to face any form of humiliation that comes our way. Help us to face it knowing you faced the worst humiliation imaginable. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to move now into a time of communion. And during the next few moments, I just want to invite you to examine your own hearts before God. This is a time of reflection between you and the Lord. The elements are here to your left. We'll dismiss row by row to come up and gather the elements. And I ask that as you take them and take them back to your seat, that you hold on to them and we'll partake together. I want to say that this is a family service this evening. It is a delight to have children with us. Parents, we trust you to determine the readiness of your children to take communion. And let me also add that communion is meant for believers in Jesus Christ. If you are a believer, even if you're not a member here at Harvest, we invite you to partake. However, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've not put your faith in him, if you don't trust him, then I'm going to ask that you just remain in your seat. And I'm going to ask that you contemplate what you heard. And you ask yourself, ask yourself, why? Why have I not committed to Jesus? And then like I said, come find me after the service.